listening to First Church Charlotte. This week in prayer, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what can I say um, to that that will really that will really be timely in the moment, and it will speak to the heart of these people that I, I love and you have so honored me to, to, to speak, teach, and minister to on a regular basis. And I immediately, um, in, my, in my spirit, felt uh, this, this, as it were, this unction or this direction or this inclination from the Lord uh, that was basically this, to warn my people against fear to warn my people against fear. And so I am preaching today on the subject, the trouble with fear. The trouble with fear. Somebody say, help the preacher. Thank you very much. I appreciate that kind word that you have given me. And let's, let's get into the scripture together. It's always an honor to bring the word of the Lord to you. <clears throat> There's a song that is uh, made the rounds here um, in the last, last little while. Uh, written by Zach Williams, and the title of the song is this, Fear is a Liar. I love to read the lyrics to songs because I think they are the modern-day form of poetry that resonates with the human heart, and so I want to share the lyrics of this song with you. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, When he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness. Cast your fear into the fire because fear, he is a liar. We know that fear uh, is contagious in the terms of our uh, modern uh, life. We think of it as viral. Uh, We have learned a lot about viral uh, realities in the last few months, more than we uh, we, we ever wanted to learn. Um, And even now, I have to remind myself I'm not preaching to a house full of bandits. And and yet, here we are in our masks, and that's a good thing. You should wear them. Um, So, uh, those of you who don't, you're not in trouble. Uh, You know the odds. You're welcome. We're glad you're here. My own, my own friends and family, and yea, even my myself, am often of your tribe, and my wife grabs at me. She's of the other tribe. So, moving on. Uh, We live in times of of trouble and fear. Uh, There's a meme going around the internet right now that my wife showed me this morning, and we both had a good laugh. It's this uh, lady standing in her driveway with her hands on her hips, and she says, this is me looking to see which chapter of the book of Revelations we're going to be in today. (laughs) I love that meme. (laughs) Which chapter of the book of Revelations are we going to be in today? Uh, Fear is uh, in the air we breathe. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, Fear is contagious. It is viral. Frederick the Great, one of the great... 
generals of his time. He is also uh, the king of his, uh, his own empire, so to speak. But he wrote a letter, a letter to a general of his who was not behaving well and he was showing fear in the face of the enemy. And Frederick the Great wrote him this letter and said, For the love of God, pull yourself together. <laughs> For the love of God, pull yourself together and do not look at things so darkly. The first step backward makes a poor impression in the army. The second step is dangerous and the third step becomes fatal. Fear is viral. It transmits from one to another. Is, is that true spiritually? Yes, I believe it is absolutely true spiritually. What is the trouble with fear? Uh, the trouble with fear is that it's complicated. You see, on one hand, fear can be good because it will help you to rightly judge what you can do and what you can't do. Fear on one hand is a gift because it saves you from the darker folly of your own judgment. Uh, fear will keep you from playing tag with lions. Fear will keep you from playing quick draw with cobras. You had to think about that. That's all right. Think about it. Fear will tell you, nah, not a good idea. Fear will tell you, what's the best thing that could happen jumping off this cliff, landing in the lake below? Well, I have a good splash. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the water's not deep enough, and that's the end of me. And fear will be like, nah, 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 nah. Fear can be a good thing. Fear is, in many cases, the right response to what you are dealing with. But there's trouble with fear. You see, let me say it like this, and let me skew this conversation in a spiritual direction. Fear can be a good thing. The fear of the Lord is a blessing. The fear of the Lord is the source of wisdom. <clears throat> it is the source of right understanding into issues of spiritual order. Fear spiritually can be a source of life in you. It can help you eradicate negative fears. A positive fear in the majesty of God can help you eradicate negative fear in what the power of the enemy has control of in your life. Am I preaching to the right church here today? Fear is trouble. Because in some cases, uh, it is a help and a blessing. And in other cases, it is the source of everything that is limiting you, hindering you, destroying you, discouraging you. So let me say it this way. Fear, when it is rightly understood, protects you. And by protecting you, it gives you more of what you want. Do you see? Fear, when it is right, gives you more of what God says is yours. More of what God says you can accomplish. More of what God says you can do. But fear, when it is wrong, it doesn't simply give you less of what God says you can do or less of who God says you are. Fear is a destroyer and it will take everything you've already been given every victory you've already won, every testimony you have already fought and lived for. Do you see? Fear's a troublesome subject because when it's right, it gives you more. And when it's wrong, it takes everything that you have. 
So let's talk about this. Uh, there's a great allegory written by C.S. Lewis called the Screw Tape Letters. Um, it is the advice that an old and experienced devil <laughs> gives to a young and upcoming devil on how to lead Christians astray. Fun allegory. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read it. You can get it on Audible now and uh, you can listen to it. It's the advice that an old experienced devil, uh, not your cousin, but an old experienced devil named Screwtape. Uh, is giving to a young, uh, inexperienced devil wanting to learn how to people to stop people from faith. So, uh, this is what the experienced devil says to the youngster devil: There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against God. Let me say that again: There's nothing like like anxiety and suspense. These issues of fear and anxiety for barricading a person's mind against God. I want to remind you that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were initially created without the inward struggle of a fallen nature. I want you to think about this. They did not war against the sinful nature within them. Their state of joy was a natural gift of God. The nature that Paul will talk about, write about, teach about, preach about, uh, like for example, we referenced last Sunday, uh, Romans chapter number eight, O wretched man that I am who will uh, deliver me from the bondage of this death. That wasn't Sunday, that was Wednesday night online Bible study. Um, uh, he, th This nature he had to war against, do you see? It wasn't in Adam and Eve from the beginning. Uh, the first, excuse me, <clears throat> the first negative, I feel like I was going through pure puberty there for a moment. Hello! Wouldn't that be awesome if I could get all those years back? That would be fantastic. All right, that was your laugh break. We'll continue on now. And so the first negative experience that they have, uh, uh, watch this, the first negative spirit is not hate, it's not just jealousy. It's not strife. It's not envy. It's not anger. What's the first a negative emotion they experience from a fallen nature? Adam says, I heard your voice. I realized I was naked and I was afraid. The very first emotion of fallen humanity is fear, followed by its first cousin, shame. And you find Adam and Eve hiding from uh, the Lord in the garden. Uh, Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, and says this, God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He does not say uh, you are somehow abandoned by God when you're afraid. Uh, he doesn't say you don't battle fear. He doesn't say fear is not a reality you have to deal with. He says this, God has not given you that spirit. God is not the source of your fear. Yes, negative fear that is a destroyer in your spiritual life. Negative fear that limits your possibility and strips your spiritual progress. It is something you battle. It is something that's real. But that is not sourced in God. The kind of fear that God gives you is a fear that teaches you divine order. It reminds you that he is great and can do anything. And it reminds you that you desperately need him. But through him, you have everything you need. That's the fear that God would place in your life. It is a fear of blessing. Uh, here's the truth.
troublesome nature of fear is it can put on a different coat in your life. It can put on a different face in your life. No longer is it the source of divine order for you. No longer is it a reminder saying God is in heaven and you are on earth and he can do anything and do it well. No longer is it saying that he has the cattle on a thousand hills and 10,000 times 10,000 angels at his beck and call. Now it's saying you aren't enough. You should be ashamed. You're probably going to suffer. You're going to hurt. You're going to be broken. And the fear that at one place and at one condition could have been the place of more for you has become a turncoat in your life. And now is it a destroyer and it takes everything God has given you. Timothy, you need to understand God is not the source of fear in your life. Great literature uh, is when an author is able to touch something so deeply human that generation after generation identifies with it, remembers it, preserves it, and teaches it to young people in junior high school and high school by making you read things. Uh, that's called great literature. Um, I don't oftentimes uh, reference literature in my messages, but I, I came across a story that reminded me uh, growing up my favorite book of all the required books I had had to read. My favorite book was Robinson Crusoe by the great author Daniel Defoe. And uh, it's easy to remember the story as an adventure story. A man is uh, shipwrecked, cast upon an island, and uh, there he has to make his way. He has to survive. And uh, it's easy to remember it as an adventure story. But I want to remind you that it's more than an adventure story. It's a Christian adventure story. That's often forgotten. Because one of the things that's washed up in the wreckage of the ship is a Bible. Now, the character, Robinson Crusoe, had not been a Christian. Uh, he had been very much a prodigal son. His parents had been Christians. Um, he had um, not done so well. And uh, part of the wreckage was a Bible. And living alone on this island, uh, he read this Bible. He considered it. He had time to think about it. Uh, and he prayed his first prayers on this island as a castaway, thinking he was alone. And he even found faith all alone on an island reading the Bible that had been preserved through the disaster of his life, just like some of us, deserve, preserved through the disaster of his life. He reads that Bible. He discovers his faith. He believes in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. He repents on this island. Remember the story? And he gives his life to God on this island. It's in the story. Now, what can we learn? It's not long after this, that on this, law, this large island in the South Pacific, this, this man who has become an a, a isolated but believing Christian is shocked to discover a footprint. And all this time, he had thought he was alone. And the moment he saw a footprint, he realized he's not alone. And his fear soars within him because as a sailor, he had heard story after story about the cannibalistic tribes of these lost South Pacific islands. And he's filled, filled with terror and horror and fear and this is what he says. Um, before, he had had this peaceful life of, of work, contentment, and now every step he looked over his shoulder. He no longer could sleep well. He was jumpy. He altered his habits. He altered his pattern. He visualized himself being captured and boiled and devoured, and fear took over him. And in his journal, he writes this, thus, my fear banished all my religious hope. My fear banished all my religious hope. 
all my former confidence in God, which had been founded on this wonderful experience that I had had of his goodness, it was vanished. It was gone now. Uh, I had believed that he had fed me by a miracle and preserved me by a miracle, but I could not believe that by his power and provision, he could protect me from those who would hurt me. He lives out in this story that we consider great literature, how a person having found a place of faith, discovers one thing, and fear steals everything he has accomplished. Every provision that he had worked to attain, every protection he had found is lost to him. Now, all right, I gave you that story. Now I want to tell you another story. We all love the story of King David. I've preached about him some here recently. I've spent recent weeks thinking about his life. First Samuel chapter number 20, you find a very interesting place in the scripture. And I want to, I want to tell you a biblical story now that shows you the same thing. And I want to bring this home to you uh, in a manner that you carry out of here. I want to take a theological idea and I want to put handles on it so you can carry it out of here, not just feel uh, in this moment. David is out of favor in 1 Samuel chapter number 20. He is fleeing for his life. Uh, It's at the beginning of his flight. It's at the beginning of Saul's hatred for him. And he goes to a city called Naoth. And there uh, the prophet Samuel is. Now remember, David had been raised up from a shepherd. He had fought Goliath. He had been uh, married to the king's daughter. The maidens of uh, Judah had sang, Saul has slain his thousands. David has his ten thousands. He has come uh, to live a meteoric life. I mean, he has shot to the top of everyone's attention, so much so that his king um, is now threatened by him and is trying to uh, kill him. And so David runs to the place of anointing. It was Samuel that had put a horn of oil over him. It was Samuel who says, God's going to raise up your house. It was Samuel who says, you're going to be a king over this people. It is Samuel who said, God is with you. It was Samuel who signified the anointing in his life and having had his life threatened David in terror and fear runs to uh, Samuel and it is here if you read the story it is here uh, that Samuel uh, uh, that David uh, is found by Saul and Saul sends uh, messengers and soldiers to uh, accost him and bring him back to face judgment. But let me tell you something you may not know about the story. Every time that these messengers from Saul show up in the house of the prophet, the Spirit of the Lord moves upon them and they begin to prophesy. They came to challenge David, accost David, accuse David, and bring David back to judgment. But when they walk into the place where God's man is, the Spirit of the Lord grabs them by the nape of their neck or the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, however you want to tell the story, and just puts a good shaking on them. And they came to arrest David, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I don't think so. Let's just let you have a Holy Ghost party. Remember that old song? Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. Thank you. Uh, Here they are. We've come to arrest David. And they're like, and we've come to, "Mm, what's that I feel up in here? I'm having, uh, preachers do this. You know how us preachers do. They're like, I've come to arrest you and take you, Jack. Mm, What's that I feel in this house? Yeah, I'm having fun with this. I don't even care. I've been preaching to a camera for weeks. I get to have my little moment of fun. Thank you very much and blessings upon you. I've come to arrest David and bring... Ah, 
he's an on time guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> Three times this happens. Let me point out something real quick here for uh, the Lord can protect you without needing to kill people. Now, some of you are going to be driving home and you're going to be going, my God, there's some stuff there. You see, when we try to protect ourselves, we often kill. Remember how I talked about how when we try to make things right, often we overshoot. It's a human, it's a human emotion. Uh, we, we don't do justice very well, but we should pursue justice. It's biblical. What is the three things required to please the Lord? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. As a people, as a church, we want to deeply embrace those things. We want to choose justice. We want to walk justly. We want to be part of just civil organs and, and societies and governments. And uh, You guys, that, that's biblical. That's part of our judeo-christian heritage you should know that history so you could make it part of your testimony uh, but oftentimes when we protect each other all we know how to do is threaten each other i wish you would hear that this is why church fights are so dangerous we kill each other when we say we're trying to protect something we love this is why church splits are so dangerous because we hurt each other saying we love jesus you see, when we go to protect ourselves, we often kill someone else. God can protect you without hurting anybody. And they come to a cost, David, and the Holy Ghost grabs them by the hair of their chin and chin, chin and shakes them real good. And finally, Saul himself comes to arrest David. And he gets there and he's like, you are, you're a traitor. Ah, mmm. Oh, what's that I hear? Is it the sound of a trumpet? And the spirit begins to move on him. I was going old school on some of you guys for you old school souls. And uh, as spirit moves on him, and he too prophesies, but he, 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 it's so alien to him, he can't deal with it. And there's a humiliation to his office, and he strips himself naked in some way of dealing with what he feels, which is so alien to him, and it's an embarrassment to him, which is one of the reasons why, interesting uh, fun fact here, one of the reasons why his daughter gets so mad at her husband King David when he puts takes off his kingly robes because surely she remembered the shame of her father going to where the, the the prophet was and trying to cost David and the spirit of the Lord touching him and him not knowing what to do with it and stripping naked David flees he flees from this place. We don't know why God was protecting him there in this house of anointing. God was protecting him and he flees. He flees and he goes to see uh, the son of King Saul, uh, his best friend Jonathan. And that's what you read here in 1 Samuel chapter number 20. And uh, he tells Jonathan this. He says, Jonathan, I, he's going to kill me. Uh, what have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he wants to kill me? And Jonathan tries to reassure sure his son and say, uh, David says look he's not going to kill you he can't move against you without me knowing it and I would warn you however much he hates you and misunderstands your heart I love you and I'm committed to saving you and since I'm in his house he can't move against you without me knowing and David's not so sure David's like I, I just don't know he wants to kill me so bad uh, and he knows our friendship and he might he might find a way to trick you in order to use your friendship to come after me and he says this listen to David listen to David verse number three for truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives there is but a step between me and death 
surely as the Lord lives and as we live, there is but a step between me and death. Uh, here, here's, here's the thing. Let's, let's have an imaginary Let's have an imaginary conversation with King David. And through this conversation, I want to show you how fear wrongly placed and wrongly formed will strip everything from you. David, uh, do you feel, do you, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like that God's presence is with you, David? Do, do you feel like God's presence is with you and we're going to imagine David's response through the wonderful praise and worship music that flowed out of his heart. And, and David, think about our question. Do I feel like the presence of the Lord is with me? Well, yes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art, thou art with me in thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me. Yeah, I feel like God's presence is with me. Uh, all right, David, I... I Thank you for that answer. Do, do you feel like, do you feel like you're depending on your strength or God's strength? Ah, uh, okay, well, hmm. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, rejoiceth and with my song I will praise him. Okay, David, that's a good answer. That's... Someone ought to write some praise and worship music around that answer, David. That's really good. Hmm. Do you have any promises from God that you can hold on to, David? Uh, actually, I do. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust. Mm, my buckler and the horn of salvation my salvation and I'd like to just say my high tower I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies brother David man you're just doing a fine job you got it, man. You, you, mm, I think some of that the prophesying spirit's getting on you a little bit there, Brother David. And, uh, David, uh, I know there's only one step between you and death. I, I know you're at your end, and you're just sure that this is it. This is it. This is it. I, I, I know you're convinced, but I have another question for you. Uh, David, do you, do you, <laughs> do you have any confidence in God? Hmm, I think so. But, 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 but thou, O Lord, art a, sh a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Somebody say, Selah. I, I laid me down and slept. I awakened. For the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Mm, David, that's a fine answer, you know. Uh, I'm trying to understand here, Brother David. I'm trying to understand. I know there's just a step between you and death. But have you been given any promises of God, David? Maybe you could hold on to a promise of God since you're just one step away from death. Uh, well, yeah, I'll never forget the day I was keeping sheep. 
I didn't even know the prophet was in town. I was keeping sheep. My brothers had laughed me out, told me to get back to my business, and I was out there keeping sheep. And the prophet was in town, and then somebody came running for me. David, David, the prophet wants you. And my first thought was, dear God, I'm in trouble. Every time the pastor asked to meet me, I know I'm in trouble. And my first thought when the pastor asked to meet me is, what did I do? What did I say? Or most importantly, who told on me? Yes, Lord, Sister Tina says. Who, who has been speaking to the pastor? He's like, if I had the pastor's call logs, I'd know why he wants to meet me. I can't keep up with all the trouble I've been in. And so I, did, I thought I was in trouble. I come running in there. I was like, dear me, dear me. Oh, my, I'm sorry. And I got there in front of my brother. My mom and dad are standing there all formal. They had their Sunday meeting clothes and everything on. My brothers were there all standing tall. And I come fumbling up, still smelling like sheep. So think about shepherds as they smell like sheep, but where are shepherds who don't smell like sheep? And I come running up, and the prophet just looked like somebody slapped him. He's like, and in his body language, it was like God said, that's the one. And then he took out this horn of anointing oil, and right in the presence of my brothers, he anointed me king over Israel. Yeah, I guess you can say I've got some promises from the Lord. All right, Brother David, thank you for that testimony. Beautiful that. Uh, one last question. Uh, do you have any prophecies the Lord has given you? Like, 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 has God ever moved over you and given you a word that you know was not just... And at this moment, the people listening to our conversation with David, they can't take it anymore, and one of them hops up. You guys probably don't know this speaker who's in our imaginary conversation, but I know him because I put him in my notes for you. And um, his name is Ethan the Ezrite, and um, he jumps in. He says, can I answer that question, David? Your, your, your majesty, can I answer this question? Because um, you've been answering all these questions. It's my turn. And I just want to say what, um, I, I, you know, I write songs with you, David. I'm part of the worship team. I'm part of production. I know you're the big shot, like the Nathan that can sing. But I'm the Nathan who can't sing as good. And so I, I want to have a moment here. And, um, less, less. and so Ethan, Ethan is going to answer this question. And the question is this, David, do you have any prophecies that God has given you? And Ethan says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I'm talking about you, David. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heaven. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant, David, your seed. I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations David so let's just review here brother David uh, you have prophets you have promises in your life and they're your one step but between you and death you have prophecies in your life and there's one step between you and death you have the presence of God in your life But it's just one step between you and death. As though heaven had an emergency and God called 911. You have promises, prophecies, presence. You have confidence. You have anointing. You have covenant. And there's just one step between you and death. Church, do you see, no matter what God has given you, promised you, anointed you for, empowered you for, ordained you for, your fear can strip it all away from you and leave you thinking there is nothing, 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 nothing that can be done and you are but one step away from death. 
Fear is a troublesome friend. Fear is a liar and a deceiver. Fear will tell you it's over when, honey, it's barely just gotten started. Fear will tell you that God's finished with you, and it's, that's the silliest thing that heaven's ever heard. Fear will tell you to be afraid of what man can do to you, and the the greatest being in all the universe says he's on your side. I want to challenge all of you here today. Do not let fear be that which steals everything God has given to you from you. How do we use fear the right way? Fear is healthy when it teaches us divine order. Oh, I don't know if you're going to let me preach here. Fear is healthy when it reminds you God is on his holy hill. Fear is healthy when it tells you he can do anything but fail. Fear is healthy when you are reminded he is able to answer every need, supply every want. He is able. That's when fear is healthy. When you come to the end of yourself and you lift your eyes heavenward, fear is healthy. But one step beyond that, fear becomes a troublesome friend. And if you're not careful, it will steal everything from you. I'm done, musicians, you can come. I want to end this in a very practical area. I want to end this with a very practical application to your lives. Those of you who are here, those of you who are still watching online, we still have more watching online than we have here. Uh, I want to make this very practical. I've tried to use a biblical story and a story from the human story. Uh, one primarily spiritual, one more of just kind of the, the, the canon of literature that has come down through our history of how fear can change everything. It can make you forget everything God has given to you. Fear can make you discount every promise. Forget every prophecy. Low rate God's presence. But I want to remind you that fear is what hell specializes in. He primarily is a marketer and a con man and a deceiver. He does not go around with the power of the lion. He goes about with the illusion of the lion. And his attack is to strike fear in your heart when he cannot cross the hedge that God has delineated. And so hell hides in the thickets of our life and roars at us and roars at us. And it's not just you. It happens to every one of our leaders. It happens to every one of our pastors. It happens to me. It happens to every one of us. Fear crouches in the jungles and thickets and wilderness and savannas of our life and roars at us. And makes us think we can't compete, which is true. We were never competing. Fear taught us divine order. And we said, the Lord's going to fight my battles. So listen very practically. This principle is not just spiritual in its foundation. Uh, I placed in your notes, if you downloaded the notes I provided on the church website, uh, I placed uh, quotes from uh, uh, 
psychologist writing in Psychology Magazine saying this, the only way through fear, the only way out of fear is through it. Now this isn't a spiritual person talking, although this seems to be a very spiritual theme. The way out of fear is through it. If you're anxious about spiders, honey, bad news, you got to handle spiders. If you're scared of an elevator, sorry, bad news, you just need to deal with the elevator. If you dread talking in front of people, don't tell me because I will throw you in front of some people. The way out of, isn't that right, Sister Beverly? Oh, she's next door. Uh, Isn't that right? Giselle's next door too, isn't she? She's back there. Isn't that right, Sister Giselle? Don't tell me you're afraid of talking in people. I will throw you in front of some people. Why? We are witnesses or nothing. Sorry, I picked on you. That's all right. I've got frequent flyer miles built up. So I want you to see the way out is through exposure. This is not, this is true spiritually, but this is a psychological principle. Exposure works much better than avoidance. Because the truth is, you prob- your fear probably isn't accurate. It's probably not an accurate assessment of the risk of something. There may be risk in it, but your fear is not an accurate assessment of that risk. There may be danger in something, but your fear is not an accurate assessment of the risk. Why? Fear is troublesome, and it most likely will lie about the reality of your life. And three levels that the psychologist says, facing it and dealing with it will happen. It happens on a psychological level, and again, you can read all this in your notes. Secondly, it can happen on a behavioral level, and thirdly, it happens on an emotional level. All right, now that's the practical. Now back to the biblical. Are you ready for this? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Isaiah 41 and 10. How about Isaiah 54, verse number 13 and 14. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and the gra- and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. How about Jeremiah? These are prophets riding in the most fearful days of God's covenant people. These are not people riding in the highlights of the national expression. These are the terrors of oppression and a literal defeat at the hands of the enemy. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Or how about some New Testament gospel? Matthew 10 verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Peace I leave with you. Jesus says. John 14 27. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid and finally the author of the book of Hebrews well next to last for he himself has said I will never leave you nor forsake you so we may boldly say verses 5 and 6 the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me
And one last scripture. And this is my favorite. Yes, God is glorious and powerful and high, but does he know what it feels like to feel like a very small being without much influence, weight, power, influence, money, or anything else? Could God imagine what it would feel like to be a one church in one mid-sized city of the American South with limited resources and limited reach? Could God know what that feels like? Of course, he can be bold. He's God. But could God know what it feels like to be us? This is my scripture. Do not fear, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yes, we live in momentous times. It's like Lennon said, and he was right about this. <laughs> there's decades where nothing happens, and then there's weeks where decades happen. I feel like we've lived through a month where a decade has happened. It's easy to feel like I, uh, we're just in the flow. There's limited ability, limited influence, limited. We're just, we're just kind of just a leaf of grass down here growing toward the sun. This scripture is for us. Do not fear, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what God's doing in this hour. I'm believing for the kingdom of God to be manifest right here in our lives through this little flock. Let's all stand all across the house. We can't, do, we can't do altar services like we normally do. I'm looking forward to when we can. That's not appropriate for us. That doesn't mean we can't have a move of God in this house right now. Those of you who are watching from your home, just because you're not here doesn't mean you can't have a move of God right where you are. I get weekly communications from people testifying about the move of God they had in their house. Not as good as a church move, but, you know, we'll, we'll take what we can in this crazy age. All across this house, I want us to pray together. And I want us to rebuke the influence of fear over God's people, over God's anointed, over God's elect. I want us to rebuke it that we can become the hands and feet of the kingdom. Pray with me right now all across this place. Lord Jesus, we are praying as your covenant people. We are praying as believers. We are praying as individual Christians. Do not let us be trapped in the uncertainty of the age and set back on our heels to think we have nothing to do. We do not make a difference. Lord, remind us that it's when your people called by your name humble themselves and pray that is an introductory day to a revival. You hear from heaven. You heal their land. You forgive their sins. Do not let us think we as a church do not have spiritual influence do not let us fall into the troublesome lies of fear to think that there is no work to be done there is a work for the people of God to be doing right now there is a burden of prayer there is a work of intercession there is a word of faith that only the church can speak and God I'm praying that we as your people would pray those intercessory prayers I pray that we would speak those words 
of faith. I pray that we would see our role in this moment not simply as citizens but as spiritual ambassadors as the children of your very nature your people anointed of heaven filled with your spirit vessels unto honor in your hand let it work through us oh God the kingdom let it come through us oh God let it be manifest through us oh God in Jesus name in Jesus name I want to pray again for some of you who aren't here today and some of you have been stricken with fear and uh, you can barely leave your house without having waves of fear just because you don't know who to believe and there's so many voices out there that your overwhelming experience is one of fear and you are hiding and you without realizing are spreading that fear to people in your life who are looking for you to speak faith. I want to say that again and I want to include the whole house when I say it. The problem with fear is when we speak it we make it go viral. This was in my notes but I didn't get to it. We make it go viral and rather than it possessing us we transmit it to others and it's the role of the church not to speak fear but to overcome fear by speaking faith and so we speak faith but some of us I want us to pray for uh, I have communicated with a few of you I am praying for deliverance in your life right now Lord Jesus I'm praying for that individual you know where they are you know the the struggle they've been living with you know how uh, the enemy has used the uncertainty of this time to attack them and to isolate them. And now they wonder if they even can come back to church because they have this overwhelming experience of fear. Some of it is because of the uncertainty of the time. Some of it is because of this, the, the COVID sickness that has uh, swept through our, our world. Some of it is because of circumstances combining with these things in their life. I want to rebuke the lies of the enemy upon them and I want to speak faith over them. I believe they're coming out of that prison of fear. I want to speak the name of Jesus over them. I believe they're stepping out of that fear-based reality. I believe they're stepping out of that fear-based prison that they are living in. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. And I speak the freedom of Jesus Christ into this community, into this hour, into this moment, into our hearts. Let it be in Jesus' name. We're going to have some prayer time right now. Right where you are, you can stand, you can kneel. Our worship team is going to lead us in worship and praise. Uh, but this is the reality of how we have to conclude services right now. That's okay. Uh, we'll work with what we've got. And God will work in spite of that. Wherever you are, lift your hands. Focus your mind. Those of you at home, uh, focus your mind right now. Don't just click away. Create a worship space right there in your home. Create a, spare, uh, a prayer space right there in your home. Let's stand and bow in the presence of God as we receive his blessing and his word into our hearts and life. In Jesus' name we pray. If you have not repented of your sins, that's where we need to start. Whatever else is going on in our life, repentance is the entryway to a relationship with God. If you're here today and you haven't repented of your sins, I want you to repent of your sins. I want you to see that as a necessary first step. If you have not been baptized, we are still baptizing people. We are able to do it in an appropriate manner, and we are baptizing people. If you reach out to our pastoral staff, 
We can arrange that. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, I promise you it can happen right in your home. It can happen in a small group where you meet with someone. This is fundamental to what it means to pursue God as the First Testament church did. We call it being apostolic, which basically means closely following the model shown to us by the apostles. We crave that. We long for every one of you to experience that. And if you have any questions, if you need a Bible study, we can arrange all of that thing, all of those things. It's fundamentally uh, what our church is founded upon and why we call ourselves First Church. Uh, It's core to who we are. And I want you to see that path available to you right here at First Church. Lord Jesus, I pray you would be with your people. I pray you would walk with them. I pray you would guide them. Let your peace rest upon them. Let the fruits of the Spirit be demonstrated in their life. Let the gifts of the Spirit be manifest in their their spirit. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.